Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We go through this year the Old Testament uh, lesson by lesson with the Come Follow Me curriculum. Just a lot of different things in that section of scripture we think you don't want to miss. So we are just on and going. So if you're new, uh, we're so glad that you're here. We have this lesson that we do every single week. We have one. It's either on YouTube or a podcast. We also have an app where everything that we provide is all together in in one convenient little place with some bonus material to kind of help out personal study and daily connection with God. A um, newsletter. Let's a talk newsletter. about the newsletter. You can sign up for that on our webpage, don'tmissthisstudy.com. And that's going to give you ideas for object lessons for kids and teens and maybe some study ideas for adults every single week in that newsletter. And then we have in that newsletter also a link to something we created for this year in particular. It is this timeline. It is for free and the download is in there um, to print this out as a two by three engineer print. And then also another printout that comes with it of little pieces that will add on throughout the whole Old Testament to kind of end up with a timeline of the entire Old Testament. So that's in the newsletter every week also, also on the app. So we are gonna add on our piece this week, which is this little one that says Zion on it because that is the story. It's connected with Enoch that we're doing today. So it just goes right there. You guys, we're like halfway done with the whole book, it feels like. (laughs) This is getting good. That is awesome. If you did not watch last week's video, um, you might want to go back and watch that one first. It could be more helpful um, because this is kind of part two. Um, that's what we have written on the top of the journal. So if you notice that, it's because Moses 6 and Moses 7 are, well, the whole thing's one continuous story, the whole Bible. Who are we kidding? But <laughs> <laughs> this in particular is kind of like you need a little bit of background in Moses chapter 6 with who Enoch is, this man who's called um, by God and, and sort of this rough city that he lives in, this rough place to kind of bring about change. And, and we're kind of continuing his story right now. Yeah. Well, actually, he kind of takes a tangent last time, right? He At takes that end. tangent into like, oh, let's talk about just like the plan, the plan of salvation. And then it's almost like Moses 7 comes back out of his sermon into like, okay, then this is what happened next in the life of Enoch. And one of the things that we love, and we'll, we're going to start back again with this, is just watching Enoch describe the place where he lived. Because whenever we talk about Enoch, we immediately want to talk about this city of Zion and the pure in heart and how it was lifted up. And we kind of live in that place and we forget to talk about how it started. And I'm so intrigued with how it started. So he's going to go, he's going to talk with the Lord in verse four, and the Lord is going to show him a vision of what is going to take place, starting with where he is, but also moving through all of time, even to where we are. And it's really cool because it's one of the spots in scripture where it's contained, there's one contained in one chapter of this site. There are several prophets throughout scripture who've had this similar type vision. Nephi had one Mm -hmm. and, you know, others. And it's just like, oh, here's the whole history of the whole earth in one vision for Enoch. Yeah, we really like that. And there's some lessons that we are going to learn from that. But one of our favorites, we're going to start with right at the very top. Um, He says in verse seven, he says to Enoch, prophesy. And I prophesied saying, behold, the people of Canaan, which are numerous, shall go forth in battle array against the people of Shem and shall slay them that they shall utterly be destroyed. And then the people of Canaan shall divide themselves in the land and the land shall be barren and unfruitful. And none other people shall dwell there, but the people of Canaan. And there's three words there we want you to highlight in your scriptures or just make note of in your journal. Um, That word divided and barren and unfruitful. 
And I love that you can think sometimes life might feel like those Canaan moments, right? Where things just feel super divided or contentious and you feel like the place where you are is barren and it's unfruitful. And we love that we're going to start reading. The Lord's going to say, you need to go out. You need to tell these people, repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. And we're going to talk a little bit about Enoch's process of preparing for that. But before we come back and hit all of those verses, we just want you to jump to verse 17 because it describes the opposite of what Canaan would be like. And it says this, the fear of the Lord was upon all nations. So great was the glory of the Lord, which was upon his people. And the Lord blessed the land and they were blessed upon the mountains and upon the high places and did flourish. And then we go into that verse 18 that we know and we're so familiar with. It says, and the Lord called his people Zion because they were of one heart and one mind and dwelt in righteousness. And there was no poor among them. And we love that that verse becomes like the complete opposite of verse seven, right? Which was, there was division. They were barren and unfruitful. In verses 17 and 18, we find out they were of one heart and of one mind. So exactly the opposite of that divided. And then they were blessed and they flourished. And I just love setting those words right next to each other and think, Um, we could choose to live in a place that is divided or a place of one heart and one mind. We could choose to be in a space that feels barren or a space that feels blessed. We can live in a place that is unfruitful or in a place that flourishes. And I love right at the beginning of chapter seven, the Lord is like, here are two choices set before you. And which one are you inclined to pursue? Yeah, and even also, if you looked at your life or circumstances and would describe them in this left column way, like Canaan, divided, barren, and unfruitful, I think there's a message here in this chapter that says, okay, things that are divided, barren, and unfruitful don't have to remain so. Like, they can become united, blessed, and flourished. It's a, it's a possibility. Mm. And it's actually one of the neat things. We have this, this idea in verse 18, the Lord called his people Zion, but he called them that in a world that was like extremely like horrendous to live in. And I think it's a really powerful principle that Zion was built up in this kind of world. Yeah. I love that. that. Whatever that world was like, that didn't matter. The circumstances of the world didn't prevent this people, these families, these individuals to become Zion type people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it just, there's nothing that would happen that would say, this is the way you have to be always, you know, and yes. forever. And you might be thinking, well, what if my life feels more like Canaan? And I love diving into these first few verses to watch what Enoch did, like how, what begins that change that is going to happen. And in my scriptures, in my margin, I have written down right next to verse 12, the power of one, because I think sometimes we forget the influence one person can actually have on a situation, even situations that feel like there, there could be no miracle there. There could be no progress there, but the power of one. So there's a couple of things that we notice about Enoch that you might want to mark down. And um, we've got a little line for one, but there's a couple that I just want to point out here. I love in verse 12, um, it tells us Enoch continued to call upon the people. And I love that he just, he was going to continue to keep telling them what could be, what the potential was for them. I love in 13 when it says, so great was the faith of Enoch. Um, that he led the people and he could speak the word of the Lord. Um, Down a little bit in the middle of that verse, it says, so powerful was the word of Enoch. And then I love this line, so great was the power of the language which God had given him. And I just Mm. think about the people you have influence over. And if we were to sit down and think, okay, how great is my faith in this situation? And how powerful are the words that I'm using and are they the words of God? And this idea of this power of the language that God had given him or that language of the spirit and to think about how am I using those gifts and could I be using them 
better? And, and do I need to grow in power and in understanding of the word and in my ability to have the spirit so that I can have this kind of influence that Enoch was having? And I just love taking a minute to, to read through 12 and 13 and just think, what do I need to change if I want to have an influence for good? What do I need to look at? And then the last one is the one that we wrote down in um, 7 verse 19. And Enoch continued his preaching in righteousness unto the people of God. And he built a city and he called it the city of holiness, even Zion. And I just love that thought that, and we're going to talk about this is one of our favorite parts, but he continued to preach. He didn't give up. He just continued Mm. to keep doing that over and over again. And he preached righteousness. And I love that. And he was building. Like that's the type of person he was, is he was a builder. He wasn't someone who was tearing people down, but he was building. And I love that from the beginning, he was like, what are you building? A city of holiness. That's what I'm doing. And that was his work and his intention. And I love that so much. Yeah. And I think it's cool. A couple of thoughts I was having as you were talking is like, I think I keep getting caught up on like the Lord called his people Zion and that he, you know, he called that place, the city of holiness. And you know how you like name a baby mm. and you call it something and then it grows almost into that name. Yes. It's like, oh, like at first you're just like, it doesn't really match, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. But then, and then later on you're like, oh my gosh, you're totally a Jones or you're totally an L. Like you filled out, you know, in, into that name. And I think it's cool that he sees this place and he calls it that. And almost like it's showing an intention and a vision for mm. it. Like, this is what I, I want it to be. And I'm, and I'm going to continue in preaching and, and whatever else. That- and you love that when you think about Jesus and how when he gathered his apostles, do you love that he was like, I'm going to call you the sons of thunder and I'm going to call you the rock. And I'm going to like, you love that he went through and he was like, let me give you something to grow into, into yeah. and let me build you up to become that vision of, of what I see and that name that I'm going to call you. And I just, I love that idea of, it's that principle we've talked about, just living as if. It's creating that expectation of this is who I see in you and growing it. And coming off of last time's lesson, something we saw in chapter six was that God helped Enoch first see that. And then now Enoch's got the ability to like influence others in the same way. But it's neat that once Enoch could see things the way God saw them, now he could start teaching other people, you know, to do the same thing. And I think it's so important too. And we've talked about this on here before, but it's, for me, it was one of the moments of parenting for me that I won't ever forget. And it's a time in our family when Megan was really struggling and, Maybe you have kids who are struggling or people around you who are struggling. And have you ever noticed that in the struggle, all of a sudden, all you see is the struggle and Mm. you kind of expect the struggle because that is the behavior that kind of starts becoming normal for that child. And one day when I was praying about it, the spirit just said, go up and get a picture from Megan from last year and put it up on your mirror. And so I went and got this darling picture of her in this pink turtleneck with this big puffy vest on and I just taped it right on my mirror and the spirit said to me talk to her as if she was who she would become and I thought to myself okay what are the good things that I see in Megan and Megan is really good anyone who knows her at serving people she's really good at seeing a need and and meeting the need you don't even need to tell her what your want or your need or your lack is she can just see it in you and sh- and her response will be to fill that need. Mm. And that is how she serves. Mm. And she's really organized. And she's really good at problem solving things. And I can remember thinking to myself, okay, I need to start reminding Megan, oh, you'll be so good at this because you are so good at whatever that thing is. And that became my language, which I love that sometimes we call that the language of faith, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. That became my language for her is even when things were about to spiral downhill, uh, my inclination would be to go to, oh, but remember you are, this is what we're building in you. And Mm. so let's go back to this. What was interesting and it's fun because this is where we're going to verse 21, which I love. It, it tells us it came to pass that the Lord showed, 
showed Enoch all the inhabitants of the earth, and he beheld, and lo, Zion, in process of time, was taken up into heaven. And I think that's probably my favorite line in this entire chapter of Moses 7 was this reminder that it takes a process of time. And that is what happened with Megan, that it was in process of time that Megan came out of that really hard and dark place that she was in and and was kind of built up into this amazing a contributor of what she brings to our family and to society. And, and it happened so gradually over time. It wasn't like in a month I was like, oh, good, we fixed that and took down the picture. That's not what happened. What happened is several years later, Megan actually came in my bathroom one morning and said, Mom, why am I the only one you have a picture of hanging on your bathroom mirror? And it was funny because at the time, I, my first inclination was like, yeah, why do I? <laughs> that is so weird that I would have just put her picture up. And then all of a sudden it came that year where I had had that reminder every day to see what you love about Megan and what she's good at. And, and in process of time, she had actually grown into that so that I forgot it was even what we were hmm. working on or working towards. And I love that you kind of hear that when you think about... Um, that so great was his faith and the language of his faith and the expectation of what could be. And it just makes me think, oh, I want to be someone like that. I want to talk with that kind of language. I want to be a builder and um, help people become in process of time who the Lord knows they could become. And it's cool that we call Zion and talk about Zion with what it is and not what it was. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we remember about it is what it became. And we don't remember the process. We don't feel like, but it's important, I think, to remember that it happened yes. in the process, that it was like, so that's okay. Like we are in process of time. We are becoming a Zion person and a Zion community in process of time. And, and the city that we admire for doing it, for getting it right or whatever took a process to, to get there. And yeah, I, I, I just that. think it's neat to like look at that. And that whole idea of Enoch continuing his preaching is a characteristic he inherited from God. That idea of, I just don't give up on, on a place and I keep continuing mm-hmm. and I keep going. And, and you're going to see that kind of in the heart and character of God as this vision continues. As he's watching kind of like the history of the earth unfold, he sees the power of Satan was upon the face of all the face of the earth. That's verse 24. And, and, and he saw these angels coming out concerned in 25. They're the opposite of the Christmas angels. They're like, we're, <laughs> we, we're saying, whoa, whoa, that was their song. And in 16, this is something you'll never forget. He beheld Satan and he had a great chain in his hand and it veiled the whole face of the earth with darkness. And he looked up and he laughed and his angels rejoiced. And uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know what his laugh sounds like. It's nice. He's laughing. Um, but <laughs> it just, for, I it think was it's that evil scary one. laugh. Yeah. Not that one. <laughs> I always think of Voldemort when he's like, huh, huh, <laughs> like after he kills Harry Potter. <laughs> I was like, Satan <sighs> probably has a doopy laugh like that. But um, he sees this like, oh my gosh, look, this earth seems to be in his power and control and there's this big chain and he's laughing and his angels are excited about like everything that is going on and you're going to see a description of the world. And we have this line in the journal, when this is what the process feels like, you know, we're like in process of time, but sometimes it feels like chained and veiled and, you know, and, and dark, dark and everything. I One of the things that we think is really, really important to remember is he mm-hmm. looks over um, at God and it says in verse and what, 28. Yeah, and what verse are you in? We love this, this verse. Verse 28. And it came to pass that the God of heaven looked upon the residue of his people and he wept. Um, first and foremost, whenever you approach anything that God has said or done in scripture, I think it's so important to remember we worship a God who weeps who feels compassion, who feels love and is tenderhearted toward everything that happens. There's language that's going to come up in just a second that's going to sound like, oh, harshish, but it's like, oh, hold on. You have to remember that you worship a God who weeps. And Enoch doesn't even understand that and even asks, right? How is it that you can 
weep at the end of 28 and 29. I love this one. He's like, you're holy. And from eternity to all eternity. And in 30, it says, and, and we don't even have num- a number to think about all of your creations and the millions of earths like this and how many you have. And in 31, remember, you took Zion into your own bosom. And he's giving reasons why God would not weep. He's just saying, like, look at all the earths that you have. And look at the good kids that you've got. <laughs> you know, you took some into your own abode and stuff. He's like, it's just a small percentage. You know, it's just one or two. Why do you have to like, why would you even cry about that? You have so much to be happy about. And his answer is so sweet mm. in 32. And he says, look at these people. They're your brothers and your sisters. And they're the workmanship of my own hands. They're, they are mine and that is why I am weeping over them because I care about them and I was intentional with them and I put them here. And the commandments I gave them to love each other um, were for their own benefit and good. And they've and they've just ignored that and they've and they've chosen to hate in verse thirty three their own blood like their own. This is their family, you know. You're mm-hmm. all and and it's just like it just breaks his heart. It breaks his heart and. I just am thrilled to worship a God who weeps and who feels mm. things so deeply. And I think it's so neat as you look in these verses, there are a couple things that we learn about living in a time of darkness, about living in a time when Satan laughs, about living in a time where you feel that chain and that weight and that shackling. Um, one of the things that I love is in verse 27, Enoch beheld angels descending out of heaven, bearing testimony of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Ghost fell on many, and they were caught up. I love that God will not leave us in a place of darkness, that one of the ways he responds is by these angels that will come and and bring light and knowledge and the Spirit into that situation. I love, too, when you read that one, verse 30, that you read when it talks about, were it possible that man could number all the particles of the earth, yea, millions of earth like this. It it wouldn't even be the beginning of your creations, he says. And then he says this one line that is so good. He says, your curtains are stretched out still. And then he says this, and yet you are there. Hmm. And I love that thought of that not only will angels come and not only will the spirit come, but the Lord will come into that situation. It doesn't matter how many numbers of worlds or people or any of those things. I love that he's like, but but yet you come, hmm. you hmm. come into this situation. And I love that then when he's like, why? And the Lord is like, because I made you, right? I made you, you are the workmanship of my hands and and he won't walk away from that and I I love that. Um, it's interesting. We also learn something that actually helps us understand the Old Testament better because sometimes we learn how God responds is by sending angels and by sending His Spirit and by sending seers and by sending commandments, right? And and even dwelling among His people. But He's going to tell us in verse thirty four. Sometimes He responds. A different way. And and he talks about the fire of my indignation is kindled against them. And in my hot displeasure will I send the floods upon them for my fierce anger is kindled against them. Behold, I am God. Man of holiness is my name. Man of counsel is my name. And endless and eternal is my name also. And in 36, he says, so I can stretch forth my hands and hold all the creatures which I have made. But he says, but my eye can pierce them also. And when we come to a time of great wickedness, sometimes that response is judgment. Sometimes that response is a flood. And I was doing this study on this, just trying to understand the character of God better um, last year and looking at the different ways in in which God responds and why does he Mm. respond like that. And I found myself in Amos 9 is where I was reading. And I was reading in something that is called a study Bible. And we'll be talking back and forth about study Bibles as we go through this year. One of my favorite study Bibles to use is actually um, this ESV study Bible. And what a study Bible is, is it, it where, down where we have footnotes. Um, it has a whole bunch of Bible scholars have written in 
things that would help us understand culture or context or like what did Jerusalem look like or what did that area look like that those people were in or what was battle like in those days or what would people have worn? What were Jewish traditions that we maybe wouldn't understand as we were reading and they kind of bring that um, to life for you. Uh, we love that actually in the last handbook change that came out on December 15th, there is a little paragraph in there that talks about the Bible that we will always use in church classes and in church lessons will be the King James Version. And a lot of the reason for that is because that's the one Joseph Smith used as he did his Bible translations. But we love that they added this paragraph at the bottom that says, you can feel free to study out of whatever Bible translations you want to in your study time. And um, these study Bibles are some of our favorite tools. I have an ESV, which is an English Standard Version, an NIV, which is the New International Version. You can actually get a King James Version um, study Bible, and we love these. But anyways, I was studying in there, and in Amos 9, I was reading this line that was so good. It says, God's ultimate purpose in judgment is never destruction, but restoration. Mm. Do you love that? Yeah. So, so when you think about the flood, which is what we're going to go into. Oh, when we did our revelation class. Did we talk about yeah, that too? Yeah. Is that like, when I was you, I've studying seen it? that. And then, yeah. and then you're like, oh, that's what yeah, it was. I love that part because we're going to, he's going to talk about the flood and Noah. And sometimes we look at that and we're like, well, wait, why would a God who weeps respond with a flood? And I just love this thought that God's ultimate purpose in judgment is not destruction, but it's restoration. Mm. And where will we see that this year in the Old Testament and how important it is to keep that in mind as we are reading through all these processes um, that sometimes God looks down and realizes, all right, we're going to have to have a restoration right now. That's what's going to have to happen next and how important that is. And that just part of restoration is breaking something down first, kind of taking it apart, you know, so yep. that it can be, you know, rebuilt together. Well, as they talk about this and he just explains this to him and shows this to him, um, Enoch just really starts to feel it <laughs> with him. And when he sees like, oh, the flood that happens and he's just like, oh my gosh, like we are a hot mess, mm -hmm. you know, of, of people. Like we can't even get things right. And he starts to weep. And after seeing the flood and he's just like, it says in 44, he had bitterness of soul and he wept over his brethren. He said into the heavens, this line, I, I refuse line. to be comforted. You know, I, I, nothing can fix this. This is so out of control. This is so broken. This is so unreachable. N nothing can solve this particular situation. And, and we've, so many of us have approached that type of time period mm -hmm. in our lives and in our stories where we're just like, this is broken beyond repair. And there's nothing that can be done about this. Just bury it, you know, mm -hmm. because there's yeah. nothing that can happen. I refuse to be comforted. And the Lord's response at the end of that verse would be the same to any of us. And he says, lift up your heart and be glad and look. Don't, I like that he says, look, because mm -hmm. in my mind, he does this to him. He's just like, I'm not going to be comforted. And God's like, <laughs> he just lifts up he's his like, head look. and he's like, I want you to, I want you to look, you know? And he yeah. says, look over here. And what he sees is a vision of Jesus. And what's fun about it is it's really similar to Nephi's vision in first Nephi 11. Yeah. Even with that word, look that he keeps saying. And one of the things that you'll want to do in your scriptures Enoch asked the same question three times in a row. And every time he asked the question, he is shown a different picture of what is happening. And he's going to ask that question in verse 45, when shall the day of the Lord come? And then he's going to ask it again in verse 54, if you want to mark it, when the son of man cometh in the flesh, shall the earth rest? And then the angel's going to say again, look. And then he's going to ask it one more time um, in 58, when shall the earth rest? And at the end of 59, I ask thee if thou wilt not come again on the earth. And I love that every time he asks, the Lord is like, look. And then he's going to show him these three different visions or pictures or something tangible that he can be like, okay, 
watch what's going to happen now. Yeah, in response to this is a situation that can't be fixed, he shows them Christmas in verse 47. No, Jesus is going to come into that mess, right? He's not yeah. going to direct it from the heavens. He's actually going to be born in the flesh. He's going to experience the pains and the torture and the loneliness of mortality. Like that's the story of Christmas, right? Um, number two in verse 55, he's going to be lifted up upon the cross. He's going to experience the full measure of the wickedness of that world, but it will have great purpose in it. Like there yeah. will, again, again, when we want to keep bringing up, this is a God who does not give up, right? That Enoch learned that characteristic from him. He's like, I will go even to the cross in order to solve this. And you love that in these verses between 55 and 59, he's going to talk about this condescension, right? A God who will come down and meet his people where they are as they are. But then in verse 59, he's going to talk about this ascension, right? A God who, who will lift you up to where he is. And I love that that's the second thing. He's like, look, Enoch, watch what is going to happen. He's, he's going to come down and meet everyone where they are, and he will die on the cross in an effort to be able to lift people up, right? That ascension to where he is as he is, and just how beautiful the thought of that is. Yeah, and and Enoch's question, we'll, we'll kind of, you can see the spots on the journal where, you're, where you'll fill this in, um, but Enoch's question when, um, you know, he dies and he says he ascended and Enoch's like, oh, when Jesus comes to the earth, is that when the earth is going to rest? And the answer is like, oh, no, actually, it won't be then. He's going to go up into heaven, but he is going to come down again. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But in the midst of that whole conversation that they're having, having there's this little interchange that happens between them that's so awesome when... Um, Enoch says um, back in verse 50, um, he says this, well, back in 49, he says, oh, back when he was like, oh, he says, will you not in 49 have compassion on the earth? Will you not bless the children of Noah? I ask you, please, will you have mercy upon Noah and his seed that the earth might never more be covered by the floods? And that next sign in 51 is mm -hmm. one of my most favorite when it says, and the Lord could not withhold. He could not help it. When one of his children begged, asked him for something, I, he's like, I couldn't help it. I could not withhold. <laughs> I, I absolutely had to. And if you're a parent, you know this really well, mm -hmm. that if you're just like, I can't help it. Yes, I'm going to mm -hmm. do something about that. And, and the next line too, and he says, and he covenanted with Enoch and he swore unto him an oath that he would stay the floods and that he would continue to call upon the children of Noah. That's what he promised Enoch. He says, I will not stop calling upon the children of Noah, upon the people of this world. I promise you, I swear unto you with an oath, I, I will not give up on the earth. And, you know, we're going to get in the end and list our promises to covenant Israel. But I mean, that's one of them, hmm. right? That he's like, I, I my promises, I will not give up. I will not give up on you. I will not give up on your children. I will not give up on your children's children. I will not give up on this human family. I'm not, I'm not going to. And that is his promise, promise that he makes to him. And so he says, yes, I'm going to come again. But before that day of rest, he says in verse 62, you're going to experience that darkness again. Jesus is going to come and it's going to feel like, oh, the world's been saved. And it was, mm -hmm. but then he's going to go into heaven and we're going to have unrest again. There's going to be darkness again and all of those things. But he says, I promise you I'm coming again. But before that day, you're going to experience all of those things. But then I like that he starts to focus on, but you're also going to experience this. Mm -hmm. Watch what I do with the earth before I come again. And it's so interesting to read this part because it feels like these are our days. Right. This is yeah. our time. And you love reading to see, okay, what did he say he was going to do right now? And what should we be watching for? And I like that one of his purposes in verse 61, he says, before that day of rest, the heavens will be darkened and there will be a veil of darkness on the earth, right? 
and there will be great tribulations. But here's a promise. My people will I preserve in verse 61. I'm going to preserve like that. My Mm -hmm. work is a work of preservation. And how am I going to do that? A couple different ways. 62. I'm going to send righteousness and truth out of heaven. Uh, I'm going to send angels. I'm going to send words. And you love when it's going to be like a flood because sometimes the flood is sad, like rain, but sometimes the flood that comes from him is righteousness and truth. And we live in a time where if we want to see that flood of just goodness, I love that that's when we live. Yeah. And it's, it's neat to like, just maybe have this as sort of part of a discussion is Let's list some of the good, the righteousness, the truth that has come to the earth um, that has been a preserving truth. Mm. You know, what What are they? What are the things that have happened that have kept us safe? Mm. Yeah. And it's such it's so neat to look at how much evidence there is of you could look at this world and say, that's a world that God forgot about. That's a world that's unhelpable and totally unfixable. Or you could look at the world in a way and see all that flood of truth, that flood of goodness that's come to the earth and to I preserve. And I love when he talks about there's going to be darkness and tribulations and the shaking among the children of men. But then when he talks about my people and what you should notice about his people is it you would notice that they were being preserved And he talks about a little bit later, I will gather, right? Where is a people that is being preserved and that is gathering more people to a place of truth and righteousness? That's how you know you're in the right place. Mm. And I love the thought of those words because they're words that are so familiar to us, the gathering, right? And this flood of righteousness and truth. When he talks about, I will flood the earth with that righteousness and truth. And, And I love that those are words and language and vocabulary that is really familiar to us as a church. Yeah, yeah. And and then there is this, this. Uh, oh, before we get to that, maybe these verses right here that we have at the bottom right yeah, corner love, of the I journal. Love this. Yeah. Um, verse 16, the Lord came and dwelt with his people. And you see that throughout the whole chapter. And it's awesome because the whole chapter is a history of the whole earth. And so what you're learning in this chapter is that in the, f- throughout the whole history of this world, from Adam and Eve all the way until the millennial day, God came and dwelt with his people. He didn't spin the earth and say, see you in a couple thousand years mm-hmm. with one visit in, you know, in the middle of it all. But he came and he dwelt with his people and Enoch and all his people, it says in verse 69, they walked with God. Like that will be, can be all of our experiences at the end of our time on this earth, we can say like, oh, I I walked with him, you know, while I was there. And the end of the chapter is just beautiful because it really is the, it's the, it's the, the fixing of everything, Mm -hmm. the final restoration. It's a picture of, you know, the Lord finally coming, all wrongs being made right. The city of Enoch coming down to meet the earth, the hugging, the kissing, the just like, just like, Oh, everything all put together again. Enoch gets to see the, ha- the happily ever after yes. he gets to see. And it's it's neat to think about um, that Joseph Smith actually had this, you know, mm-hmm. was translating this and had this vision or what, whatever it was, whatever the experience was that led him to, you know, write this at the beginning of his ministry. And it kind of became his like, oh, that's is, our end goal. Yep. This is the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is the thing that's depicted at the very end here. You know, that's what we're getting to. And uh, it, it'll be a, a messy work in the middle. And there will be darkness and shaking and trembling. But God will be among us. Mm-hmm. And it's he will so send good. truth and, and righteousness. And one you know? of the things I love, and maybe you can be looking at that President Nelson quote when he encouraged us to look for the promises to covenant Israel while oh, okay. I'm talking about this. One of the things that I love about this is... Um, it's that reciprocal relationship, right? The Lord came and dwelt with his people and Enoch and all his people walked with God. I love that that was um, their life. That's the way that their life looked. And one of the things that we've talked a little bit about, but we want to spend some time today because we've been so busy in the other weeks, just 
letting you know how everything is going to work. One of the things we feel the strongest about this year is marking these promises to Covenant Israel that we see everywhere. And we're going to put those in the newsletter. You can also, um, in the app under daily, there will be a, a place that's called the Promises to Covenant Israel where we are going to list all the promises we find as we are going along through these chapters. And there has not been a chapter yet where there has not been a good handful of these promises. And we will make sure you're all caught up in the journal. We want you to be able to go through and be writing um, what are the promises to covenant Israel that were in this chapter? And then where do I maybe see those in my life? And, and to be really intentional about actually capturing those promises. And did you find the... I, I found the talk and I'm just... Oh, here it is. Found it. Found it. October 2020. As you study your scriptures during the next six months... I encourage you to make a list of all that the Lord has promised he will do for covenant Israel. I think you'll be astounded. Ponder these promises. Talk about them with your family and friends. Then live and watch for these promises to be fulfilled in your own life. Mm. And wouldn't that even fall under that verse that we read of that flood of Yes. And I just love that thought of like not only looking for what he promised covenant Israel, but to watch for that fulfillment in our own life as part of what we're doing this year. And we did this with um, the Inklings group that I study with right when that invitation came out. And by the end of just that semester studies, um, six months, we had over 250 promises to covenant Israel. So this is going to be really fun to be capturing these. But there is one that is the most oft-repeated promise in all of Scripture. And we're, we've already seen it three times. In, in the past four weeks we've been studying, it has shown up three times. But the promise is, I will dwell with you. And he's going to say it over and over again. And I just want to invite you to be particularly aware as we are reading the Old Testament of every time that line shows up. You're going to start seeing that that is probably, you know, we have phrases that are so familiar to us. People always say to me, you love to say this, you love to say this. And if you were to say what is God's favorite phrase, this would be one of them is mm. I dwell among mine own people and um, that I will be in the midst of them. I will visit them. I will come to them. That he just, we are going to see it. That will be the most repeated. But other promises that you will find in Moses 7, we always just go through and try and capture all the ones we saw. You will probably find different ones according to your the conditions and particulars of your life. But just from today, the promises that we found are these. I will dwell with you. We love that thought of in process of time. To me, that is such a promise to covenant Israel is you don't have to be perfect tomorrow and you don't have to fix this right now, but in process of time, I will weep with you. I will be there. You are the workmanship of mine hands. I will hold you in my hands. I will smile upon you. I will not withhold. Oh, I love this one. And we didn't even talk about it, but there is a scripture in here where he says, if you climb up by me, you shall never fall. And I just love that thought, especially probably because I have my grands are three, four, and five years old, and they want to climb up by me all the time, <laughs> whatever I'm doing. They're just like climbing up by in my lap or on my chair or wherever I am. And I just love that thought that he's like, if you just climb up here by me, I won't let you mm. fall. Mm. And I love that promise. I will covenant with you. I will have compassion. I will stay the floods. I will come in the last days. Um, I will leave a remnant. I will preserve you. I will give you rest. I will gather my elect and I will prepare you. And these are beautiful promises. And can you imagine all of those just in one scripture? Yeah, one chapter. One chapter. Yeah. And I just, I love the thought of that is the character of God. Mm. It is this God who promises all of these things and they, so abundantly yeah, so too. abundantly and like, the importance of actually recording those promises as we are going through the old testament because we forget uh we talk ourselves out of the fact that he might be this god and in every chapter he's like hold on let me remind you i am a god who promises these things and and sometimes he is that god who weeps and sometimes he is the god of judgment 
Um, and instead of destruction, we will learn to see restoration happening there. But the intent is to bring everybody home. And then, and whatever your life may look like or your circumstances may look like, to know he's promised they're not unfixable. They're not unchangeable. Mm. Um, he has shown again and again and again his commitment to these promises. And his commitment to his, these promises was sending Jesus to the world and then to die on the cross and overcome all the you know yep. frailties and the death and sin and everything that he overcomes. But that that's like his, like uh, my guarantee, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, oh, you can, I promise you I'm good to my word. This is my guarantee in, in sending Jesus to the world. But whatever it may look like or wherever you're at in that promise, I mean, in that process of time, I'm, I'm going to be with you and I am not going to give up on you. Mm. It's, I think it's my favorite part from this section is just that it's like, I don't give up on people. I don't yeah. give up on the world. I don't give up on families. I don't give up on anybody. Mm. You can you can take that promise to the bank. Yep. So good. All right. Okay, see you, see next, you week. next week. Hi, we're back. <laughs> we were working on the app. We put in, you know, into the app five little daily devotionals that we call a little minute to connect with God. I think you came up with that and it really is so cute. (laughs) And sometimes there's a song, sometimes there's a picture, sometimes there's just a verse or whatever, just like a daily devotional. And we thought of this song that our friend Ashley Hess wrote that is top, it's charted in my heart. It's such a good song. It's platinum. And it reminds us so much about this lesson, that one little part that we loved, that we hope you love too, that in process of time and how all of us are at different places on our journey and... That Moses 7 teaches us God is okay with that, that we're all in process of time believing and becoming. So we wanted to end this video with Ashley singing this song. And then if you're doing the dailies with us, it will be one of the days we'll be talking about this song. But it's just such a good end to this video into that one little lesson about how he works with us in process of time. A God who does not give up. Mm, okay, so good. enjoy.
This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.